Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Podcast Maneuver, the officially unofficial podcast for Star Trek Picard on Paramount Plus. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're t- we're here to do something we haven't done yet this season, I think. Uh a full feedback episode. We had apparently enough to, to get the job done. Um and we we had a surplus of feedback and a deficit of time last uh time we recorded. So <laughs> we are making yeah. good by putting out a second podcast here for everybody to enjoy. Yeah, what happened is we got a call from Main Engineering, and the Picard at BaldMove.com magnetic bottle was so full of feedback, it started to stabilize. So I had our chief engineer shunt it mm. off to a, a, a supplementary podcast. Uh, that way we didn't have to dump the reactor core. It's, it's, very, it's all very complicated, but, you know. Do they call that a feedback loop? Is that I think is so. That we it, 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 okay. it introduced a, po- a, posi- a polyphasic feedback loop in mm. the... SMTP connectors, and we just had it's, it's either that or we we'd have lost all hands. So, yeah, uh, Picard at baldmove.com. If you want to stuff that bottle fuller <laughs> and maintain the metaphor, uh, let's 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 get to it. Let's get to it. We got a, we got a, we got a lot of feedback this week. Carlos said, "Love your podcast, but want to reach out about your issue with the Stargazer." You guys mentioned the French cop finding the cloak ship as hard to swallow but didn't the ship crash land on earth after jumping through time and has little energy left rafi seven and rios left the ship so they could find additional power sources but got separated they're not able to save elrond because uh the Borg queen was draining all the ship's energy until they unplugged her or am i misremembering what happened it also explained why Girardi had trouble beaming everyone back to the ship during the car chase and rescue missions i guess this is a fair point to be like well the cloak isn't perfect Sure, yeah. Because the ship crossed, uh, 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 the ship crash landed and did this and did that, and it's damaged and it's got low power and all that kind of things. Um, Although I will say that you said the cloaks aren't perfect. I think Mm -hmm. they are in Star Trek. Like, even the Federation has a lot of difficulty penetrating them. And in Star Trek IV, they're so perfect that a person can literally run into them. Like, Uh that that scientist ran into a landing gear. Well, that one landed. Um, That one didn't crash. the, the no, other I thing get you it. would be looking for is like marks on the ground, right? Like if this thing actually crash lands, there's going to be a huge crater. I where think it there. To be fair, I think when we've seen the wide shots of Serena, there uh-huh. is like a a trough of devastation behind it, which tells you like, hey, something happened here. Yeah. Um, and if your cloak yeah. isn't perfect in that moment, then yeah, you would definitely find it a lot easier. So sure. The, the big problem I have. Is let's say that it's degraded in the way the Predator's cloaking device is, or it's not super great. They still had the giant front door open, pouring out white light. So, like, even if it was a yeah, perfect cloak, yeah. Agnes leaves the door wide open and unlocked. <laughs> yeah, pretty stupid. Maybe it's so she could find the ship again, because yeah. it's so perfectly cloaked that she would just smack into it if she tried to find it. The other thing is, I think these 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 dudes would uh, could fall back on well, how do you know the Borg Queen didn't induce Agnes subconsciously right. to want to leave the door open and engage, like, stuff like that. I'm like, so so the, any, so here's here's my honest answer, Carlos, because I think you are probably of the right. If you're looking to forgive the show's sins, then this is a way to overlook it. I do think, mm-hmm. just like they mentioned that the transporters have got low power or power issues, they should also mention something about the cloaking device being damaged, because then it's like... You know, if 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 they hadn't mentioned the cloaking, the transporters being low power, you would assume you'd you'd have questions like, why aren't they just beaming everywhere? Why can't they do this? It's a Federation starship. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe to crash landed to the planet, but like it's clearly something that they intend to take off and go into space and warp around the sun without a massive refit. 
So what 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 are we actually talking about? And also, she left the front door open, and <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, but but yeah, if that 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 might uh, increase your suspension of disbelief uh, repulsors by twenty five to thirty percent if you can uh, <laughs> if you can successfully reroute that energy. Matt says characters in this show are ca- uh, calling Jean Luc J L reminds me of the people using nine syllable the nine syllable abbreviation W W W when the actual words World Wide Web is only three syllables. Jean-Luc is two syllables and rolls off the tongue. Jean-Luc, Jean-Luc, Jean-Luc. You can almost get it down to Jean-Luc. Uh, it's just one example of bad world building. Yeah. I've always been a fan of dub, dub, dub myself. I like just, the dub, dub, dub too. Yeah. Like, like once you get people accustomed to knowing that, oh, there's a WWW before every web address, you just say dub, dub, dub. Yeah, yeah. Or trip dub, that's even better. Oh, trip dub. And now you're down to two syllables. Uh, I Dubs. yeah, I, I I just the other thing is like I I just ah uh, yeah I there's so many reasons I don't like JL. I just don't feel like JL would roll <laughs> with being called JL. We've that's his well worn territory. I just feel like it doesn't show the respect that that man requires from people he interfaces with. Like I, I I'm trying to figure like, figure out how he would develop a warm. Com- comradeship relationship with the type of person that would just call him JL. Yeah. So, but I don't know. I'd like to see Riker try it. I, that's what I want. In season three, I want to see when when we get Jonathan Frakes back, let's see Riker try it and see what happens. Because I don't think it would fly. I, I think even with Riker, it wouldn't fly. It's funny because like in the, I used to read a ton of Star Trek books. There's this Next Generation book that's uh, I think it's Peter David and it's largely told from the perspective of Riker and it's set between season one and season two, and it postulates that the reason that Riker grew out his beard was to intentionally uh, to subconsciously goad Pac- uh, Picard. Goad him in what way? Like, because <laughs> the fact that he has more hair on his face than Picard has on his entire head. <laughs> Come on. Come on. That is a scene where they're in a turbo lift together the first time, and and uh, Riker's like internal monologue is like, I can't be for sure, but I I I I saw him notice it, and he didn't comment on it, and I I I, I guarantee it's it's eating him alive or something like that. So, wow, sure. it because hmm. Riker it's, it's within his wheelhouse if you're talking about uh, these quasi canon uh, sources to fuck with Picard, but um. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. Not a big fan of the JL. Let's move on to Charlie. It says, per your discussion about whether Picard airs on cable or is streaming only, Picard and Discovery are both on cable here in Canada. On CTV, Hmm. Sci-Fi, formerly the Space Network, airing with commercials like a normal TV show. When there's more than 45 minutes of content, the episode runs long to allow them to squeeze in the appropriate quantity of commercials. When it's short, they make the commercial breaks longer. Oh my God! You did get the like one to one commercial ratio in this last uh, this, yeah. this this last episode, man. Boy, they really get you coming and going there, huh? Yeah, we we're never gonna skip on the commercials. We're only going to cut into the next show that we're airing <laughs> if it goes long, and if it goes short, we're gonna pack that fucker full. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what they do to reclaim that time, because eventually it's like. If if every show runs, because I guess that never happens. But like you know, if you got mm-hmm. the like a season finale, The Walking Dead, that's pushing sixty five minutes of that commercials. You got an episode of whatever that's running fifty two minutes. Like, do they just like if if the if the sh- if they stop broadcasting at midnight, do they stop <laughs> broadcasting at twelve thirty seven? Like, yeah, where does it stop? Where's the madness stop? Right. This is like the leap day problem. Uh, yeah, that we have on our calendar. Eventually, like you just have to declare amnesty, right, and and just start over. Right, the next show, it's like, well, when are we starting, you know? Anyway, uh, Dave says, you guys don't get subtitles, so I'm sure you missed it. But when Laris, not Laris, is intercepting Renee's text, she mutters something inaudible under her breath. The subtitles label it as Romulan speech. Hmm. If the Watcher isn't Laris in disguise, she's at least a Romulan ancestor of her. This is interesting. This is interesting. This is. See, this is the kind of thing we miss out 
on when we don't have subtitles. I really wish the screeners would give subtitles. Because how the fuck would I distinguish? Unless I unless she used a recognizable Romulan word, which <laughs> right. I like. I there's right. like five Klingon words, kapla, uh-huh. stuff that that, that 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 I would recognize. But like Romulan zero, Vulcan zero, and none of that stuff is pinned. So. Unless she yeah. were talking about like the Tal Shiar, right? Unless she like said the those words, I don't right. think I would know. Right, right. Uh, so interesting. We'll have to see how that plays out. Caroline says, "Just listening to your latest recap of Picard, season two, episode six, and a possible explanation occurred uh, to me for all these changing rules, random plot elements, and characters from Picard's life who strangely appear in twenty twenty four." Especially the Romulan Laris as round-eared Watcher Tal- Talon. Uh, or Talon, I guess. It's possibly a possible explanation occurred to me. What if this whole season is happening in Picard's head? Hmm? That would explain why Laris is crucial to the story in the past. If Picard has to open up his heart to her in order to heal and move on with his life. There's a famous short story written after the Civil War by Ambrose Bierce. An occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge in which a man about to be hanged imagines himself escaping and finding his way home in the last moments of his life. It's also like the episode that's been discussed quite a bit this season already, uh, The Inner Light from Star Trek The Next Generation, where Picard lives an entire life in a few minutes and learns to play the flute, as you guys mm-hmm. mentioned. And, of course, there's always the infamous season 9 of Dallas in which the entire season was all a dream. would also explain why the whole story starts as Picard is about to self-destruct on the bridge of the Stargazer, or maybe it starts at Chateau Picard before Picard gets the call to go and investigate the anomaly. He might be behind it, or he might not. Anyway, I really enjoy listening to you complaining about the same elements that annoy me, and I appreciate the things I like. Uh, keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Carolyn. Do robot captains dream of electric sheep? <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think we're at that point in the show. I mean, uh, it's I'm a feeling full a definite. On... Inception kind of thing here going though, right? Because we're aren't we about to go into Picard's mind if if Talon can do this, can pull this off with her whatever device? I I I don't even like I guess like my mind isn't to the is it possible for Star Trek to do this? It's more of like mm-hmm. how would I feel? And I yeah. feel like that's like it's it's interesting you discuss um the uh, Dallas, because that was kind of wildly reviled, you know, notorious, infamous. Mm-hmm. And also, I, I believe it's a, the season finale, the series finale of Saint Elsewhere yeah, postulates that the entire series was just all a dream that a little boy, a sick little boy was experiencing uh, seeing the hospital in a snow globe. Mm-hmm. I feel like there is a continuum of outrage from like eh that's kind of cheap to i can't fucking believe this i'm flipping tables and burning down towns and it's all about the length of time that you fucked with people <laughs> like an episode like mm-hmm. guiding light people like you know what that's super interesting. that's because like it kind of pulled i didn't know what was happening or it was not something i was expecting um that kind of like just an episode just a dream people will put up with that an entire season, like in uh, Dallas, that gets people riled up. If you want to do that for a whole fucking series, like St. Elsewhere, we're in the Dallas territory with Picard, and I don't think Picard is nearly mm-hmm. as beloved or as well-executed as, uh, as as Dallas was back in the day. I think it'd be a fiasco. Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, you have to have a hell of a, of a hook for that, right? You've got to have a big payoff. Um and it has to be tied to like the the importance of this dream. And so far, I haven't seen like enough import uh, for Picard here to warrant something like that. Boy, I don't know. We'll see. Especially with the like, I'm trying to think like, would I have liked the inner light if it was a nine episode subplot of a next generation season? I don't think so. <sighs> yeah. Uh, it would feel like they were taking away from the regular show that I liked so much. I, I would I like because isn't Q fucking with the timeline essentially a season long dream? I mean, yeah, I mean it's, that's it's the, the same kind of of like reset button at the end, right? 
But I feel like there's a difference in things that really happen, although I, I guess the inner light is the counterpoint to that, because if a situation is so real that it's indistinguishable, because like if you mm-hmm. if you fuck around in an alternate timeline, that stuff really did happen to you. If you get, I presume if you sure. got shot in the arm, you'd have scars from it. You'd have most, you know, you'd have memories, um, trauma, all that kind of stuff. And I guess mm-hmm. you would, like I said, are very realistic, like Matrix experience dream. It'd be the same. This is Plato's cave shit we're into. Sure. Uh, I, I just think it'd be a, it'd be a debacle. So like it would fix some problems and like why everything is a little convenient and why everybody looks like everybody's descendants from 400 years ago and all that. But like, man, it would just it, it'd be that'd be a high risk, low reward play because the the. I, I I'm trying to think of like a a season of television that did a it's all a dream and people are like you know what at the end of the day I actually think that think that improved the story yeah yeah that's tough to find be rough and I guess the Q stuff is different in that they tell you that it's happening in an alternate right. timeline right as opposed to like you thinking oh this is really happening and then at and the then end Q shows the rug up pulled out two minutes you. before the credits and like haha it was yeah. me all the time but god yeah right that would kind of suck uh i think trek needs to get back to episodic television or is that the, like is that wrong for at least is it one episodic these... it's serial serializes what we're doing now episodic uh-huh. is where it used to be like in the 80s and 90s yeah well at least one of the spinoffs come on come on try it that's the thing like if they're doing strange new worlds and it's not episodic i don't have i don't I don't have much faith that it's going to be feel like old trek because i think that's part of what made mm-hmm. trek feel like old trek um well anyway we'll get we'll talk more about that later nicole uh, thank you caroline nicole k is next she says add the sense of feedback regarding the latest episode particularly the part of the old security guard jl talking to renee it seemed to me that when they show Renee in a simulator, they're trying to portray someone having a panic attack. As someone who has dealt with panic disorder for years, I can tell you that a pep talk from a kindly old British man, unfortunately, is not enough to fix the problem. Even someone like Patrick Stewart. If it, was only, if it were only that easy. I know it's Star Trek and I expect the writers to play fast and loose with many, many things, but I don't think mental health should be one of them. I agree. I That's the thing that I've been kind of grinding on my hobby horse, that... It's fine to do it. It's not my particular best flavor of Trek, you know, because I think in the 24th century, their understanding of psychology and mental health and pharmacology and therapy should just be as advanced as their warp fucking drive. But if they're going to handle trauma, then it should be something to where like all of like it, like you have 10 people looking at something. They should all kind of understand what's happening. And as you'll see in this feedback, like people are all over the place about where they're um interpreting this renee thing Hmm, okay because to me it's like i'm with nicole here she seems like someone who has been traumatized and i guess if she is they talk about her being troubled that she's plagued with problems and she's she has a hard time maybe she is someone that is suffering from like anxiety disorder to where she could be traumatized in a simulator but man Mm -hmm. it seems like it seems hard to believe that this person would become because she's already an astronaut. She's already gone right. through God knows how much simming and 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 training and trials and confined spaces and all kinds Underwater of stressful situations. Training, yeah. Right. That 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 she would be like uh, washing out at this stage. But I don't know. I mean, I guess it, like if it's she's only done low Earth orbit stuff and now they're wanting to send her to Europa. I mean, it's partially constrained by the plot, right? They can't say, "Well, we only have eight months to convince her to stay on this mission." Mm-hmm. It's they they have to have like a small window of time here that they need to protect. Otherwise, what are they just gonna stay in the twenty first century for months and months for years trying to get her to go on this mission? Yeah, I don't know. I uh, I have I I I like a, that's that's the thing. It's like it just not doesn't hang together. It's it's something where if I take a step back and look and kind of squint it. I can kind of see the shape of it, but I just, mm-hmm. I, and, and the way they talk about this on the after shows about how important it is and how they're glad to talk. It's like, man, is it really, who did you talk to besides maybe your own personal therapist in Hollywood about these issues? Or the other thing is, I don't know, like maybe someone on the staff suffered from anxiety at some point and they're generalized. Cause that's a lot of times what people do. You see this on TikTok all the time. It's like, they walk out of the therapy office, get in front of the camera, and be like, "My therapist told me this," 
mm-hmm. specific to my situation and my and and I want you to all apply it generally to your life. I'm like, no, that's not the way therapy works, man. Like, you go get yeah. your car fixed and they change the oil. Does is going to help anybody with bad brakes, right? So, sure. I, I I'm not sure what the disconnect is, but it's weird. Um. On another note, Nicole wants to know, uh, you guys have mentioned Strange World several times now. Do you think you'll cover it? I've given up on Disco, but I'm hopeful for this new series. Anson Mount, who is the person playing the captain in the new series, was very amazing in Hell on Wheels, which I only saw a couple episodes or two, and ironically only because it starred Miles (laughs) (laughs) O'Brien. Right. Cole Meany. And I think he could play a good captain. I like what I saw of him a few dis a uh, few episodes of Disco Star Trek Disco last season. Hmm. The problem I don't think the plan is to cover this. I think the plan is to watch this, see if it's good, and and go from there. Yeah. Um. The problem with Star Trek Discovery or not Discovery Strange New Worlds is it's the exact same creative team that's yeah beyond all of the new Star Trek that I have found. Not my Star Trek. I know a lot of people are enjoying it. It just doesn't really do it for me. And the other thing is, like, the more I think about it, the more I think Star Trek needs to be episodic. It needs to explore strange new worlds. And I feel like that's the thing. Like, the first episode or two, people are going to be thinking, oh, this is good Star Trek, and I like it. The way I've thought when I saw the first two episodes of Disco, the way I thought the first when I saw the first couple episodes of each ep- uh, season of, Star- uh, of, of, of Picard... And then in episode two or three, there's going to be a, uh, an overarching plot, an overarching minis- the mystery, and it's no longer going to be go back going to strange new worlds and finding new life and new civilizations. It's going to be getting to the bottom of whatever fuckery that the Klingons, the Romulans, or the Federation is up to. And mm-hmm. that's fine for an episode or two, but like I think there's something to be said to the variety and the characters kind of like generating the stuff rather than the plot. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, back back in um, Deep Space Nine days, Deep Space Nine was kind of the exception um, to the right. rule, right? Like, it did the serialized stuff uh, pretty well, in my opinion, and I really appreciate it because, like, I was used to shows just going one a week and, you know, there's no connecting tissue, and it was cool and novel for me, um, mm-hmm. especially in the Star Trek universe, but then... Every show since then has done this, right? right. We're, we're now 15 years into a television renaissance where every single show has done this. It would be novel and interesting to go back to the old format that was so popular then and see what new things they could possibly do with that. And it's funny is because like Deep Space Nine, if I recall, did that as a way of innovating. Like, how do we tell a Star right. Trek story confined exactly. to a star base in the backwater of the Federation? Make it this little frontier outpost. Make it about the location, out of war. So it's the uh, like it's 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 on the border. It's it's on the front lines. But you know, I don't think that was supposed to. So now it's like that feels like a little bit of uh, this isn't innovative. This is just the status quo, and this is how we tell stories. Let's tell Star Trek stories, mm-hmm. and it's just not. It's just not. I just don't. Understand. I don't. This is kind of like getting to me in my mind like a Zack Snyder type problem where you have flipped the keys to a beloved franchise to a person that had a vision and we have now gotten several years of results or people in this case, we got several years of returns on these results and it just isn't working or maybe it is. Maybe it is. And that's the problem. Like it works for new Trek fans, just not the old ones. Um, Not even all the old ones. Right. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of old Trek fans who are excited about all these new shows and good for them. Um, It's just not working for me. So, you know, if it, it makes would, money and ultimately that's all that matters, Paramount's going to yeah. keep doing it. And that's the thing. It's like um, I, there's so much Star Trek now. I just don't understand why there's not room to try a classic version. And maybe Strange New Worlds will yeah. be that because I yeah, just yeah. noticed I we, so. we just got screeners for it. Uh, so I, I might be able to watch an episode or two this weekend to have a more yep. informed opinion because like, yeah, I mean, if it's back to serialized episodic Star Trek, why the fuck not? Because... That was mm-hmm. also the the brilliant thing about Star Trek is like if they had a bad episode, it's kind of like, well, that was kind of a dud. Can't wait till next week. It, it didn't you, pile on, right? Like right. the way that this stuff does. Yeah. 
where it's like, oh my god, this is a nine-week train wreck that I'm going to watch unfold in slow motion, and there's no escape. <laughs> like I, I wanted yeah. to bait, I wanted to eject out of this this thing three episodes ago, and I can't because I got to keep watching Picard. So, and it really yeah. does come down to like casting with those types of shows, right? Like you, if you get a good group of people, and maybe Anson Mount is is a good spearhead for that. But like, if you get a good group of people and they have great chemistry together, you can tell a lot of different tales that are fun and interesting and exciting with those characters. And I might be in for it. Yeah. And also it's, it's just, that's the, that's the thing where I'm kind of pessimistic because it's all about the writing, you know, of course, Star yeah. Trek, the next generation season one, especially in season two. Yeah. Riker grew at the beard, but what everyone remembers as classic Star Trek, the next generation starts in season three. Yep. Those totally. first two seasons, are garbage <laughs> same actors same yeah. cr- largely crew same sets same special effects it's all the writing and i think yeah. the core yeah. creative team is bad in star trek for star <laughs> trek they might be fine another yeah. i don't know what the, some of these other guys have done but anyway um let's move on to leah she's got another take on the mental health aspect of the show I mostly agree with you for the annoying over-reliance on mental health for plot material in Star Trek and Discovery. Oh, God, they're doing it on Discovery, too. But I have Mm. a different take on what Renee Picard is experiencing. I don't think she's meant to have PTSD and be a basket case. I think she's meant to have run-of-the-mill depression and anxiety that are making her doubt herself. I don't think the flashbacks are intrusive PTSD episodes. I just think she's relying, replaying the moment she's messed up in her mind and beating herself up over them, and the writers don't know how to nail that on screen. I'm a young woman in science myself in soil microbiology. I can only imagine the high-pressure soil simulators that you experience. <laughs> sure. the, the, the loams and sands and clays that come at you from unexpected angles. It's <laughs> uh, and I see so much of my colleagues struggle with imposter syndrome, feeling not good enough, putting themselves down, especially in a male-dominated field, especially when you're young and still have a lot to prove. This makes a lot of... I mean, this this is easy to understand, sure. Mm-hmm. But even with that going on, they're still doing their jobs very well, and most people don't know what they're going through privately. They do have a diagnosis of clinical depression. It's just not the t- usual TV representation of it. I think probably the only people who know about Picard's struggles are her therapist and her watcher, and she's her own worst enemy. I think this is supposed to be the uplifting story telling us, don't sell yourself short. You may not know it, but you could be the person who changes history. Having seen so many brilliant scientists privately feeling like a failure, this one kind of lands for me. It actually feels like one of the more realistic elements of a very unrealistic show. Okay. Um, the thing is, is like, I think what you, the, the, our disconnect here is in your first paragraph. I don't, where you say, I don't, I don't know if the writers know how to nail this stuff on screen. Because the things that they're showing where she's having these kind of, but, but I don't know, maybe you would, you'd know better than me. Like, is a professional breakdown where you're like shaking and crying and the um, flashbacks that's the number one thing is like the flashbacks to the simulator yeah at, while she's thinking about them like that to me says PTSD that doesn't say general anxiety but well and and also the fact that like Laris herself who's been watching this says she is troubled she has always been tormented by this it, to me like i said it, it it feels like it's cl- it feels like they're trying to portray something as clinical. Um, uh-huh. So you might like I I think your take is better because I absolutely think um, you know some of these imposter syndrome type things can be overcome by a trust by like a mentor or someone you respect coming forward totally. and just being like you know uh, you got this you can handle this I I've all I've respected you for a long time and I if you don't think you're ready I'm telling you with my experience I think you are that can be the sh- shot at the arm that, that helps keep you forward maybe forward but as we've looked at these other feedback and in my own experience like a true trauma response not so mm-hmm. much and yeah, yeah and I don't know like I said I, I don't know because I I can definitely co-sign on the imposter complex and to the extent that you're sure. younger and to the extent that you're from a minority or a gender that's less taken serious in context i mean i i don't have any of that shit i've been the young guy in the room but i've always been you know the guy in the room right, <laughs> right so right. yeah um i i just i and I, I, I don't know what that looks like as as a, as a woman either uh maybe it is a lot more breaking down and crying in private uh 
I've certainly I don't heard know. I mean, things like, of that effect, you know? Depression and anxiety order, I certainly understand that that stuff could make you have breakdowns and, and, and you know, panic responses and stuff like that. It's just, yeah, to me, the, the way, the specific way that they portray it here feels more like a, a, a event-induced trauma, kind of, like you would get coming back from a particularly nasty experience in war or... Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it really comes down to those flashbacks. Like if she's just sitting drinking tea and suddenly she flashes back to a simulator, mm-hmm. that that feels more like a a trauma response, like you said. Or it's like you know, like I definitely can think of ruminating, where like I'm just drinking tea and I just realized that at the time I was an asshole two months ago, and I got to think about that for an hour. But like I don't, <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah? it still okay. doesn't look like me like curling up in a ball and shit. You know, like you know, start. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just think they're doing a bad, like, I actually like your take on it. I just think they're doing a bad job of telling that. And I think on the page, they want it to be more of the trauma because it does seem like everything's trauma, trauma, trauma in the show. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you for the thoughts. Oh, she also had a PS. The episode title isn't two for one. It's two of one, like seven, nine, the Borg designation. Let's talk about this. So we get screener copies, as we mentioned, uh, and, and I went, because and, like, I'm like, am I losing my freaking mind? Because I swear right. it was two for one. And I went, um, and I looked on Paramount Plus, and it says two of one, which is, is a much better title. Just straight mm-hmm. up, it, it that makes more sense, uh, given yeah. everything that's happened with Gerardi and the Borg Queen. And then I'm like, no, I I know for a fact that this was two for one, and so I went over to the screener platform, and in fact, it did say two for one. So... They just got it wrong on their screener platform or changed it between like publishing the screener and publishing the actual episode. Um, I bet it does happen because two of one makes a hell of a lot of sense. Like because we're like two for what's a two for. But two of one is like, oh, yeah, this is this is Borg talk. It's it's Gerard Gerardi and this Borg queen sharing mental space. It's all. Yeah. So So I guess I'm going to have to check these, right? Like every every time we schedule one of these podcasts to come out, I'm going to have to go the morning of and check it to make sure it's the right title. That is even because I, I remember one time the Game of Thrones fucked up like their own title of the show and it didn't get fixed till the next morning of the airing. So and I've seen subtitles that are messed subtitles up. Subtitles get fucked up all yeah. the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, thanks for that. I appreciate your thoughts. Uh, Jordan B. Moving on. So a lot of people seem to be confused about some things going on this season, and I'm hoping this will clear up a lot of that confusion. When Picard meets Guinan in 2024 at 10 forward, this version of Guinan cannot know who Picard is because the events of Time Arrow never transpired, at least not in this version of Earth. We are currently operating in the past version of the Earth where the Confederation is what rules the galaxy, not the Federation. All right, let's keep this in mind. Well, wait, well, wait, well, wait. Yeah? So we're in an alternate timeline, but we're going back to Mm. before the event where the timeline split. So they should be the same universe. Well... What? Assuming Picard is right about what splits the timeline, right? Or the Borg Queen is but right. It about. happens in 2024. That's when it splits, right? No, no, no. 20. Yes, yes. 2024. The the 21st century time that we're in right now is where it splits. All right, is where it splits, I, I but not is... for another like X amount of hours when she decides not to go on that mission. Hmm. So they're one and the same at the moment. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. Uh, so let's 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 look at this another because I think this will answer a lot of questions. Okay. So this next okay. paragraph is the future Picard is uh, the future Picard of this time is a ruthless totalitarian. The episode Times Arrow did not occur, and this is why Guinan does not recognize him. They never met in the 1800s because this version of Picard never traveled back to the 1800s. Why would he? He's got Grand Nagus Zek, Gul Dukat, Sarek, and Martok skulls on display in his home. He would have murdered Guinan, not befriended her. So when he finally tells us who he is, or tells her who he is, the reason she recognized him is not because she's Jean-Luc. She recognized the name Picard because the Watcher, whom she knows and doesn't like to interact with, is watching over Renee Picard. She recognizes the last name. I think this is right. I see what you're saying. So because it's like, like uh, Guinan's timeline that will happen. But but it. this is the problem with time travel plots, right? Um, right. And when you mix in an alternate universe plot, it gets even trickier. Uh, or or an alternate timeline plot. Um, I don't know. I guess it depends on whether you think that the Guinan that exists right now will branch off to be the you know Confederate whatever um, Confederation, 
uh, Guinan or whether that is unwritten yet and that they could potentially change her. Like, So what happens if they succeed? Does she become then, in this timeline, the Guinan that does know Picard? I assume everything will go back to normal. But that, so there's all there's hmm. a, so there's another layer of complexity too because there's also the JJ reboot that goes back all the way to the old series. Right. So there's no guarantee that there was a time zero in this in the prime Star Trek mm-hmm. Picard timeline because my understanding is everything post JJ Abrams is happening on this alternate universe where Vulcan got destroyed. But they nah, mm-hmm. I don't think that's true because in the Confederate future weren't they? invading the Vulcan homeland, the planet Vulcan. That's true. That's true. But did they say it was the planet Vulcan or was it just a Vulcan homeland? Because they could have just uh, repatriated everybody, all the refugees to someplace. Vulcan... I can't remember what exactly Romulan's said. fucked. I, Romulan... I don't... So, I think there is some... <laughs> I think... I, I actually think Jordan's got... Is onto something here. Um, the thing that feels awkward about this, they continue, is the punk rocker on the bus cameo. How could he possibly exist? The reason we're able to have the cameo from the punk rock kid in the same episode is because, as you pointed out in episode two, an alternate version of Star Trek IV did happen, and Kirk and the crew still had to come back for the whales. This was a background detail in episode two, but it did happen. And that makes sense, because the whales that lost contact with the Earth whales happened thousands of years in the past, and they would still send their probe regardless of what shit, ha- shit happened on Earth. So the 23rd yeah. century would have a whale probe that's trying to destroy, that, that's probably more powerful than them trying to destroy Earth. And the they don't know what to do with it. So presumably evil uh, military Kirk would have gone, you know, dictator Kirk would have gone back in time, got the whales, and all that shit still happens. So... Yeah, so we don't go back before the inciting events, which here we do. But see, I think in this timeline, Renee has already crapped out, and Picard's trying to talk her into not crapping out to snap them back to their timeline. They are still in the past okay. that is the Confederacy, the the Confederation of Planets, I think. But I you're guess. right. It's, it's a, a problem with time tell. travel, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for all the parts... For all the farts... For all the parts and farts. For all the faults... Mm-hmm. For all the faults of Picard as a series, this is something I felt I needed to come back and try to point out and helpfully clear the air for you guys and maybe the other fans of Picard. I think you're right. Could I think be you're right. right, Jordan. Could be right. Uh, hey, pals. I've been putting this off for weeks, but let's put our cards on the table. This show, just not good, right? It starts mm-hmm. out okay with the first episode and immediately goes down the tubes. It feels oddly cheap. It's badly written. Has at best a two-parter's worth of plot stretched over eight episodes has at best a first semester's uh, freshman's position on a very complicated, uh, has at best a first semester freshman's position on very complicated topics. Uh, look no further than the expanse for a thoughtful examination of complex issues where it's not as simple as good and bad. And seemingly only the legacy characters are emotionally healthy. Seriously, whatever they're doing with Rafi, it needs to be tuned down about 95%. Also, can we please put away the self-taught uber prodigy trope forever? especially ones of potentially crippling psychological issues? Is there any real hope for a return to real, thoughtful, and smart Trek as long as current powers that be are at the wheel of the various Trek projects? Keep fighting the good fight. Um, Yeah, post-season two Picard, I think I'm going to go full-on Joker against the current people running Star Trek. And... uh. All right. Just be like, I'm going. I'm going to. I'm going to mock and pillory everything they do until they do something good. But that thing is, is they, they're the worst because you'll recall we talked about this in the preview. These are the people that saw all the criticisms of Picard season one and basically like, eh, we're not going to listen to any of it. We're going to keep. And I, I thought yeah. that was just them being arrogant assholes in the public face, and that they of course will take feedback. Why wouldn't you take criticisms and feedback? Constructive feed, uh, criticisms and feedback. But it doesn't. It, uh, no, I, I just feel like they think what they're doing is great. I, I feel like and all it's the fine. Ca- it's their show, but it yeah. just doesn't do anything for me. Um, yeah, yeah. If they want to keep making this show and it keeps making money, then uh, you know, by all means, do it. Uh, I just hope that in the future they'll make something that appeals more to me mm-hmm. as an uh, older Star Trek fan. At this point, I will say, and we we've already recorded the episode for the next episode because we've seen it already um and we also recorded some casting news you know there's big Mm -hmm. news and i want to step on the next podcast 
I'm probably in for for Picard three, uh, season three, regardless, because that just looks like it's going to be a fun reunion show. Yeah, just because of that casting news, which yeah, is like their intended be, effect, right? <laughs> it can be pants on head, backwards, stupid, and I'm still going to be there for you know Jordy and Worf and Troy and Riker and uh, uh mm-hmm. and uh, Beverly, all the people coming back. Like that's why. I'm really interested. That's why I was really interested in this season because I was like Picard, you know, like Stuart and John Delancey back together doing that old routine. And that's the best part of the show, right? Every time, every time John Delancey is on the show talking Q shit, I love it. I have Mm -hmm. such a big smile on my face. Um, The other stuff is what I'm struggling with. So more concentrated density (laughs) of nostalgia. I'm, I'm, I'm in for it. Here's the thing. I kind of hope they keep Rios and seven around at least because, I think they're the best of the, well, I mean, Seven's not a new character, but they're the best of the cast we've got going currently. And I I like Rios, and I actually uh-huh. like Allison Pills. I've started, I, I don't know why the dress oh, helped yeah. a lot, but I, and her doing the, the, the <laughs> board queen stuff is interesting. I, I think uh-huh. I've kind of warmed up with her now. Okay, Rafi, cool. Yeah. yeah, Rafi. Uh, is it really just Ra- Rafi you want to ditch? Because we, we lost Elnor, right? We don't need Elnor. I don't like back. Elnor, and I don't like Soji. I think those those yeah, are the people yeah. that need to go back to the bench, or be a helmsman. That's that's Honestly, why you have helmsman, you, right? Right. Elnor they can have was their episode born. Once a season, maybe. Uh, Elnor was born to sit at the console with an earnest look on his face and mm-hmm. and type stuff on L cars when Picard and Riker say something. Yeah, you know. Helm coming around 180 degrees, Captain. The helm's not respond. That's all I need from that guy. And he's 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 ready to do it, you know? I, I honestly, no offense to Mr. Spiner, I believe we could do without another Soong next episode. Or next season, rather. Um, if they just want... I know Brent Spiner's coming back, so this is not likely, but if they just wanted to do away with the Soong line and just say, yep, we're yeah. good. Uh, we've got yeah. all the other crew back. We don't need you, Mr. Spiner. I'd be happy with that. I'm sure he wouldn't, but... Doesn't seem like he care. He's he's a f- um, averse to wearing a lot of makeup and latex mm-hmm. and shit. Like, if you want to get Brent Spiner back, I would have him be like an alien and tell him to go broad. All right, yeah. You know, like like yeah. act fucking crazy. Like like pretend this is a mm-hmm. holodeck episode of Data, and you're just hamming it exactly. Up, you know? I've seen like, him go wild, and it's fun. Yes, yeah. It it it, it can be so. Uh, James says, I have been a Star Trek, Star Wars fan since the beginning, and I think recent shows have been disappointing. All right. But as Boba mm-hmm. Fett and Picard go downhill, the best part of watching the shows is listening to you guys rip, em, rip on them. <laughs> I found myself more looking forward to your podcast about the show than the show itself. Find myself actually laughing out loud. Keep it up. Well, thanks, James. That's why that's why we that's honestly why we do it. Uh, you should check out The Walking Dead. And the Watching Dead podcast, because that's all we do and all we have done for eight years. And 95% of our audience does not watch the show. They just listen to the podcast and laugh. So That was going to be my follow-up question is, do you actually watch the shows, uh, the episodes, or do you just listen to our podcast? Because some people do that. It's it's wild to me. I can't imagine doing that, but... It's Some a bold, do. innovative way to to experience a Paramount Plus show without paying for Paramount Plus. True. Uh, Dave says he's our he's our uh, closer for this week. I'm struggling with the show, much as you guys clearly are. Star Trek Picard breaks so many established rules of how Star Trek works for no reason, and especially without any compelling dramatic or storytelling reason. I am not a canon purist; quite the opposite. The character development or overall message were notable. I'm 100% for trashing, breaking, whatever canon. But generally speaking, not the case here. I find the disregard borders on disrespect, given how it'd be easy to make, the new, can- uh, to make new canon with just a sentence or two of explanation. For example, when Gerardi is injected with the nanites by the queen, we could have been told that the queen assimilation process is much different than the drone process. Given how many times we've seen instantaneous takeovers after injection, the extended takeover contradicts everything we know. Not to mention the prior episode where Picard hooks up Girardi to the Queen for just a few more minutes and then disconnects her. That's simply not how it works. You know, that makes so much sense because in real life, a bee queen takes a whole bunch of special, you know, uh, it's got to be fertilized by the drone. They got to feed that royal jelly. It's, it's, it's cell compartments like four or five times bigger than a normal 
uh, a bee larva. Like, if they want to continue the queen concept, I imagine it is a hell of a lot more harder to Borgify a queen so she's connected to the whole continue, you know, and she she can have a spatial. There's probably a lot extra that goes on, and why? Yeah, like why can you think of this in five minutes, Dave? <laughs> and was a Kurtzman? He's one of them. Akiva Goldsmith. Kurt, like why? Why, yeah. why did why did they sit there and flop around like landed fish on this stuff? Like presumably they have weeks, if not months, to work on these scripts and refine them. And a lot of this stuff feels like first draft. Like yeah. we this is literally the first thing we came out. Everyone go home early. We broke the episode. Or or like a. Uh, a second draft where like okay first draft stuff stuff didn't even make logical sense or our plots didn't connect at all and like we mm-hmm. polished it up to the barest minimum that will fly and then put it out there i think a big problem when because people's noticed that this like i said this this show feels cheap um and i think this is something red letter media guys always bag on the fact that this show has something like 21 producers in the credits. Wow. Like wow. those are all people taking money, right? Mm-hmm. And I bet half of them aren't contributing. I bet they're like all like back end in like this and that and like development hell type of things. And I just wonder how much like dead, how much of the budget of the show is dead weight. The people that are not contributing anything. Probably a fair amount. I always find unless your special effects are like top notch. I, I always mm-hmm. find that, special effects the cgi stuff can make a show feel cheaper um if there's no weight if there's no substance to it it makes everything feel hollow and thereby cheaper whereas you put something on a set and you have your actors sit on it and interact with it it's going to feel like it's there and real um even if it looks you know cheaper like a, a carpeted uh conference room or whatever with with uh purple upholstered chairs and I don't know, shitty acrylic uh, tables. Most of the time, this, unless of Enterprise was at Warp, the star background was just literally black felt with, like, uh, uh, sparkles on it. So, okay. I... And I'm not saying you can't do it right, but I... Yeah. Th- there's something about, like, just, just a hollow feel to everything that mm-hmm. CGI gives it, and I feel like we're in that territory here. And I'll say this, this was a big trick that they used in Star Trek 4 to cut down the budget. An extended season of time travel where everything just happens to be in 21st century Earth with 21st sets, that's another thing that feels hella cheap on a sci-fi show. Yeah. When it's and like... Because it, it is cheaper, right? You don't have right. to fabricate all this stuff. You just right. go location shoot. <laughs> They're just out in LA and they have a funny looking prop in their hand. That's way right. easier than green screening a bunch of shit. And I, yeah, that's, I think that's one of the things that it does feel a little cheap this season is because it does... Yeah, a whole season set in modern day, you don't have to like vehicle... You just, yeah, you don't have to fabricate shit. Yeah. So much easier in the props and costuming and sets and everything. Uh, anyway, my biggest beef for this season, we haven't even got to the big, Dave's biggest beef. Dave's biggest beef this season and last is that Picard we are shown here has little relationship to the Picard we knew and love from the next generation. He used to be caring and deeply inspirational leader. He uses high moral standards of conduct to bring out the best of his crew. Was he open about his personal issues with his team? Rarely to know, but he still nevertheless had very intimate and meaningful relationships with every one of them and the reasons why they'd follow uh, him to the ends of the galaxy made sense. This Picard, this JL, we've never gotten a believable explanation as to why he's become so broken. We see flashes of our Picard from TNG, like in the pep talk with Renee, but more often than not, that person is MIA for most of season one and two. Among many other things, TNG Picard would have never abandoned Elnor after bonding with him. I want to love the show so much, and there are many stories that could be fascinating from an Elder Picard's perspective. And I really want to see some great resolutions to the entire cast storyline in season three. Maybe season two Picard will blow through this emotional barriers and become again the Picard of TNG. But there's so many core storytelling and character development problems that I'm deeply worried about season three. Yeah, mm-hmm. it that's the shame of it because we, you know, Patrick Stewart's not going to be around for much longer, and he's a national treasure, especially the geek fandom. Like, mm-hmm. my God, he's Captain Picard. He's the definitive Charles Xavier, and they had this opportunity to tell a story with a hundred-year-old Picard looking back at his past and forward towards the future of the Federation, and this is what they do with it. 
that I I think that's there there's some there's some kind of outrage from fans I think is appropriate just on the face of it. Yeah, and I don't know that I have a lot of faith that season three, you know, that we can get through all these issues in season two, deal with them, and he will be back to old Picard for this reunion with the rest of his crew. I think the temptation here and the likely outcome is they're going to carry a lot of this stuff over into the next season. Mm -hmm. Um, He'll deal with the issues, but it will become a part of that character at that point. You know, if they're... (laughs) If they're good storytellers, it has to, right? Like th- that becomes a part of the character's canon, right? And and I feel like it's still going to be weighing down season three, even though even if we deal with the core problems of it in season two. Well, and that's the thing is like it's it's not necessarily that because like I mean look what they did with Spider Man, uh, they took a Spider-Man that had two good Spider-Mans and one terrible Spider-Man, and then two Spider-Man, uh, one Spider-Man that had two terrible Spider-Mans. <laughs> <laughs> and it and then one Spider Man who's never had a bad Spider Man, <laughs> and, and 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 made something compelling from that shared history. That's most that's that's uh, at least fifty percent garbage. If we if we add right. them all up, right? Um, three three fifths garbage. That history, mm-hmm. and they made it to something transcendent and amazing because you had a new set of storytellers. It's like, okay, well, what do we have for canon? And what was what 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 is what what would the people connect to that? And let's use those parts. So, like, I think if there was a, a cleaning house of the of people that are running the the Star Trek team, <laughs> yeah, good and luck. they took a year off to come up with something for season three, I think I would be like, all right. As it is, these things are almost filmed concurrently. They're written, developed concurrently. It's the exact same. The, it's going to have the exact same creative uh, pro, uh, people above and below the line. The only thing I'm looking forward to season three is like I mentioned is the massive nostalgia. Like mm-hmm. if it's a 10 episode version of the friends reunion cast reunion, I'll fuck it. I'll pay. I'll I'll watch eight to 10 hours of that. Sure. Why not? Yeah. So I'm really I'm also really looking forward to seeing old man Michael Doran's wharf. I want uh, old man ambassador wharf. I'm I'm very excited to see that. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's it. That's it. As you can tell, we had a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of feedback. I'm not sure if we'll do this every week. It just depends on uh, how full our magnetic containment bottle gets at Picard at BaldMove.com. Once again, Picard at BaldMove.com is how you give you fe- how you give us feedback. Thanks for listening. We'll be back uh, just in a day or two with a brand new episode. And then we'll be back maybe if you guys if you guys stuff that bottle with some feedback later in the week. Uh I hope uh, I hope I may, may, we'll, we'll see if we can uh, pull this uh, this thing out of a nosedive in the last couple episodes. But until then, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See you, everybody.